It is episode 25 and we're chatting to Gemma Ogston. Gemma lives in Brighton with her family and she runs Gemma's Wholesome Kitchen, a plant-based foodie business offering a monthly nourished package delivery. Her passion is not only wholesome plant-based food, but foods that boost the mood too. Her first book, The Self-Care Cookbook, was published last December. And when she's not busy cooking, she's busy doing lots of recipe development, brand work and cooking workshops. She really recently launched a new business venture with a good friend I called Plant Stories, which is a community kitchen shared space for small and up-and-coming plant-based food businesses. So that is Gemma. Just interesting fact, Gemma and I were recently teaching or doing our thing at least on an NHS retreat with Reclaim Yourself. Uh, so it was a retreat that Reclaim Yourself launched to look after NHS staff. We had amazing charity partners for that. If you're interested in supporting that, head to Reclaim Yourself and you can find out more and hopefully we can do a few more in the future. Enjoy the podcast, guys. If you're on the market for a yoga mat and you want the best, I highly recommend Lifeform. I've used them since long before I was an ambassador. And now you can get a discount code from us, 10% off with code THE HUSTLERS, all caps. Remember, no T in Hustlers, that's THE HUSTLERS. Uh, and you get 10% off. Uh, and also, if you do enjoy our podcast, please do share it, review it, tell your friends, and all that stuff. It would be massively appreciated. Cheers, guys. Honestly unbalanced. Literally, um, you couldn't get hold of anything. I remember just being out trying to find rice um, and everywhere had sold out of everything. And it was just so we kind of went on rationing a little bit. And we were doing this thing in the beginning where we weren't allowed as a family to start another meal, making another meal until we'd used up the leftovers of, mm. like, you know, the food before, which really sort of was a good thing to do because I think I've always thought that I'm pretty good at, you know, rescuing food and being really mindful of what we eat. But I realized actually how much waste we normally, we make, you know, not, not, not meaning to, but so it was a really good um, start for us. But yeah, that probably didn't last for the whole of the five months. And then when you could start getting deliveries again, we did get a few of those. Uh. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. Do, do, is it just you who is head chef or do you all take it in turns? Do you make your children cook for you as well? Or is it, do you generally take the lead with it? Yeah, well, it's good now because Carmen's nearly 10 and she's really, really interested in cooking. So she's good. She will now cook a meal and, you know, me and Peter will watch, you know, we'll watch and we'll talk her through it but she's really um you know she can work the cooker and she can use a sharp knife and all that sort of stuff Hendrix is more interested in just eating and bridge <laughs> and pulling all the food out Peter is a really really good chef but he does absolutely zero cooking now because he's like well you know you're you're a chef you may as well do it but he <laughs> is brilliant but we've just become you know when you're in a couple you kind of get your roles and yeah. it's not like that we don't swap those roles but it's become so kind of what we do that i guess yeah i guess i do do most of the cooking yeah what? and if i don't feel like cooking we probably end up going out which um 
yeah because we're right in central brighton and there's so many great places so. mm, it's good for food yeah, let's go for uh, pizza on, on that topic of wastage like, i think i read somewhere that that is one of the best ways for the average person to cut down on their impact on the environment just reducing their wastage yeah. like it's insane yeah. like, that's we, more than anything else we that's don't one waste of the bigger things we could do we literally waste nothing do we <laughs> well only because we're both pigs <laughs> like, yeah it, i mean it, it that's so good that you don't it's things like the kids will not finish something and i'll you know i'll put it back in the fridge and say we'll have it tomorrow and then and then you don't because you end up going out or someone comes around and you decide to cook something else i think it's you know it's 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 amazing how much you can waste as a family even though i thought i didn't waste that much mm. you know i've definitely been mindful since lockdown and what what are the attitudes you're trying to create like with your kids and being in the kitchen and food like what do you what kind of relationship do you want them to have with kind of food or cooking or diet so i it's such a important thing for mm. me to hopefully give them a positive sort of attitude to food and to make it fun like when i was when i was a teenager i was anorexic i was really poorly and i hated you know food was my enemy and i used to remember you know dreading meal times and anything to do with the family and food because it was a time where I had to eat and I didn't want to. So mm. obviously that's something that is really important to me that, um, you know, I, I don't want my kids to have any negative feelings towards food. So I just make dinner time really fun and, you know, try and get the kids involved in cooking and anytime that, I mean, obviously, you know, issues, that they're nine and ten or nearly nine and ten now so we've gone through the fussy phase but mm. they've both had really big fussy phases like especially my son where he literally wouldn't eat anything apart mm. from all he wanted to eat was pasta and you're like <laughs> but what i've learned to do is just roll with it and i don't get into a fight about it and you know if all he wants to do is pasta that's cool you know what like and it only normally lasts a month or something but i try not to have a battle about food with my kids and um it's it seemed to has it, you know it's worked basically i'm not going to sit and make them eat something if they don't want to because you know they might not like what i'm giving them mm. you know like i don't like everything so why do we expect kids to like everything so i try and be quite relaxed if they don't want to eat anything then if they don't want to finish their dinner that's fine but they they wouldn't be getting like a chocolate mousse for pudding <laughs> yeah, I was, I was but, actually, but, you know i you know i'm not gonna have a go at them for it i was having this exact conversation with a friend the other day about how when she was growing up in her household she was not allowed to leave the table unless she'd finished every single thing on her plate and i was yeah. thinking is that the right way i'm not saying there's a right or a wrong way but is it is yeah. it right to force your kids to eat when they don't want to it must be really difficult as a parent to know how to um, how to bring your kids up around uh, eating, especially if you've had eating your problems yourself, it must always be something that you're really con extra conscious of. So that must be quite yeah. challenging. Definitely. And I think, I mean, I think it's reading your children as well. Like, obviously, sometimes I know, you know, my, my, I, I'm saying my son just because he had more of a, there, there was, there's been more battles, or not battles, but he, he, he messes around more at dinner, yeah. but I've realized that it's normally because he's sitting there, maybe something's happened at school or he, he's a bit of an entertainer. So he's got the space to kind of play jokes. So it's not really about the food. It's more that we're all sitting as a family. Mm. Um, and 
you know, sometimes things can come up at the dinner table. So often it's not really the fact that he doesn't want to eat the food. It's because something else is going on or he just wants to entertain us. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it is, you know, being a parent is hard. You never know whether you're doing the right thing. You just have to, and also everyone else has different ideas about how to, you know, uh, how to sort of, especially with food, you know, people have all sorts of ideas. I've got friends who do exactly what you just said. Yeah. I've got other friends who, you know, com- the complete opposite, but you just have to try and find your own way. Yeah. Um, oh. And my own way is to not, I don't want them to look at food as the enemy. I want them to enjoy it and yeah. try new things and, yeah, so you you have a balance, you know, and your book's called uh, like self care. Like, so is it food for self care or yeah, self care cookbook? Self care cookbook. Yeah, yes. it in it. it's so yeah. pr- it's so pretty. <laughs> I oh, love it. <laughs> and oh, yeah. yeah, it's called the self care cookbook. But then, so I guess so we talk about kids and food. So how, adults and food. Like, how are what's your idea on how you think adults can look after themselves with our food beyond the obvious of like nutrition? What's the self, um, how's the self care bit coming into it? I think the idea of the book kind of was that food is a very practical way that you can give yourself self care. And often it's the first thing, I mean, speaking from my own experience, like if I'm feeling rubbish or not taking care of myself, the first thing that goes is my diet and my food. You know, it might be that I just am so busy that I forget to feed myself. I'll look after everyone else, sort the kids out, you know, make the pat lunch or whatever it may be. Like if it's in the morning, I might forget breakfast because I'm so busy. Or if I'm feeling depressed, I might not eat because I don't want to. Or I might eat too much of the wrong thing. So I think it's just about looking at food as an act of self-care because often we, you know, we don't we don't think that we might not think that we deserve a lovely breakfast or, you know, it doesn't have to be complicated, Mm. but you know, you, you grab something on the way from the shop rather than sitting down, taking 10 minutes, making some lovely oats or just giving yourself that bit of nourishment. Yeah. So I think um, it's just sort of like, it's such a simple thing, isn't it? Food Um, and feeding yourself well, but it's also very easy to not do that as well, I think. It really, yeah, it can really fall to the sidelines. Like, I think I'm a conscious eater, but this morning I got up really early to kind of view a property. Like we're talking like left the house at half five. And yeah. you know, didn't th- you know? It could have taken me ten minutes to make, as you say, make some oats and make something remotely wholesome. Instead, I got to a little corner shop and had like the worst nut bar, <laughs> which was like ninety percent rice krispies with like two nuts yeah, in and a cranberry. And Yum. you're like, you're, yeah. you're, as you're consuming it, you're thinking, oh yeah, this is crap. This is shit. And, and you get yeah. it, it wouldn't have taken much to do some oats the night before, but it's just not on any. Yeah. For many people, it's not in anywhere like near the top of their to do list, is it? Mm. Definitely not. And the thing is, we're all really, really, really busy. And, you know, it's all of those things. But like, you know, like you said, in, in, in like you, you obviously really care about what you eat and food and stuff, but sometimes you can just forget about it. And then what might happen is that you just have that kind of rubbish bar mm. and then, it, you, you know, you're not going to feel great for the rest of the day. But I think it's also... You know, I tried to make the book like practical and also take into account those sorts of things because none of us in reality, we're not going to do that every day. We're not going to, you know, there are times where you forget about um, making a breakfast and um, 
you know, so kind of offering practical tips. So, you know, for quick meals and um, low cost options as well. Mm. Uh, so it's not about, I didn't want the book to feel like it was um, something that was unrealistic, you know, and really expensive or, you know, you have to have loads of ingredients in your cupboard. So, mm. you know, just. I love that about it. Because it can be really yeah. daunting when you get a new recipe book and, it, you know, basically you have to go to all the really expensive whole food stores to get all these yeah. bits and bobs. And so your book is so accessible. And also I love the way you put it into little chapters like restore and um, is it relax? And you've given little self-care. Sure, um, rest yeah, it's, you. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's so it's different and it's really niche. And I've never seen a cookbook like that before. And it's um, it's lovely how you've made the connection between self-care and food, which, as you say, not... Well, it's we are making that connection now, but even the way food can make you feel differently. This is this was a new thing for me up until a few years ago when I actually realized yeah. that eating too much sugar would make me feel mentally foggy and brain fog and awful. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's really lovely to have a cookbook that yeah, helps with your self-care. Mm. But yeah, and also like sort of seeing the connect you know, trying to explain the connection between your mood and what you eat. And mm. I know lots of people talk about that, but, you know, not even just, I mean, obviously the ingredients, like you were saying, if you have too much sugar, then you'll crash and you'll feel spaced out or whatever, or hyper, but also, you know, little sort of things that you can do to take care around your food, like using, you know, my food's always bright and colorful. Mm. And that for me is a form of, is an act of self-care it makes me feel like my food is so much more inviting and like I've taken care and I deserve that lovely beautiful bowl of food so it's not even just the ingredients it's about how I um present the food and you know what's in it and how I've thought about getting that food onto the table and you know the way I cook so it's it's lots of things to do with the food that isn't just the ingredients mm. or the recipe you make money. you make it with love i do and it's on delicious the, on the idea like how you present the food it's about how you present the book the book is like the best looking cookbook i've ever seen <laughs> like i want it like oh, on the, on the front of a shower like, i want to eat the book it doesn't look like a cookbook there's something about it that just is very cool and very modern but is very it timeless was... at the same time like did you have input in that yeah well i did all of the photographs myself oh wow so did and I worked with a designer and um I mean the reason why I did all of the photographs myself the real reason well obviously I wanted to but there also was it helped the whole you know that's how books work and then I worked with a designer who's amazing a, a woman called Nikki Dupin and she just we got on so well she just got what I wanted straight away she when she showed me the color palette, she just kind of got me. So mm -hmm. yeah, it was great. And then, yeah, you have input. I had input all the way on everything. And um, I even love the font, like it's so simple. Mm. And the size of the book, it was, again, you know, when you kind of get off, I obviously got offered this book deal kind of out of nowhere. It's, you know, the size of the book, yeah. the, what cut the paper, everything is all about budget. And obviously it's a small book, it's a gift book, mm. but I love that because you can take it with you, you know? So it's, it's the idea that it wasn't going to be a cookbook kind of to try and be next to Jamie Oliver. It was going to be, you know, it's it, it a, a gift. The idea is a gift. Mm. Yeah. That you could gift somebody um, and they could have it 
in their bag or their bedside chest. But... Mm. You just said yeah. the book came out of nowhere. It's like, I know how hard you work. The book offer did not come out of nowhere. Like it might have like, yes, in a sense came out of nowhere, but you've put the groundwork in for a long time. Like I've known you for three, four years. Yeah. And you've had, years, like things were kicking off a lot, I think when I first met you. And then things have just gone like through the roof now. Can we talk a little bit about that journey and like, the groundwork yeah, you how put did in? it start? Where did it, how did it all begin for you? So I was, so I guess Adam, when I met you, I had just come back from living in Barcelona. In fact, I can remember having a call with Jules. We were living in Barcelona um, with the kids for three years. So my history is working mental health. I was a drug worker, worked in women's projects um, for the NHS. Uh, so I worked in a sex worker project where I was a drug counsellor. So wow. I did lots of really hardcore outreach. Um, I did that for years. I also worked in the Priory. So my history is mental Gosh, health, intense. working with women with drug and alcohol issues. And anyway, I, I had the kids, decided that I wanted to change. And my husband got made redundant. So his mother is from Barcelona. So we were like, let's rent the flat out and go to Barcelona for six months. So we got our, got our rucksacks. The kids were babies. We had our old dog, Jazz, at the time, who's died Aww. now. And we literally got on a boat and got the train to Barcelona wow. and rented a flat for six months. It was our friend's flat. And then we ended up staying for three years. <laughs> and he was teaching. And I ended up, we knew loads of DJs who were based there because Pete, Pete, Pete's a DJ. And, and lots of people were kind of back and forth from Ibiza. And a couple of them asked me to start cooking for them and creating like healthy bento boxes for yeah. long haul flights because they were so sick of airline food. Oh, it's rubbish. So I kind of started doing a few to quite a few big name DJs. How did, then, they, how did they know that you would do that? Like, they didn't just, were you cooking? I knew, I knew them. Like I used to go raving with them and they knew that I cooked and they would come around <laughs> to the house and we were friends. Okay. Were, you, um, were you doing all the hangover food then before? <laughs> <laughs> I was all total recovery food. Like they would get in from a bender in like Ibiza and be like, Jem, Jem Cook. <laughs> I love that. It was like, that's what it was like. And it was, um, I used to, and then I sort of set up this little takeaway thing where I'd paste, post on Facebook. This is what I'm cooking today. Like a veggie shepherd's pie or something. Five euros. Meet, let me know if you want it. I meet you in Trippy Square, which is a, quite a well-known square in Barcelona. And I literally used to turn up with the kids in, uh, you know, foil wrapper of vintage pie, <laughs> oh hand God. it over to someone in big sunglasses and wearing black for five <laughs> euros. And it looks so dodgy. And anyway, that is honestly where, the, where I started I cooking. <laughs> and then in the end, we, I was super busy in the end. It was ridiculous. You know, Pete ended up giving up his job. My niece came over and lived with us and oh the food business was going really well there, but we had to move home um, because my dad was poorly and we were trying to sell the flat to move back and lots of things happened. We moved to Brighton, back to Brighton, and then the kids started school. And then I was kind of like, I don't wanna, I don't wanna move back to Barcelona. I'm, I'm really happy here to be near the family. And anyway, and then, so we stayed and in fact, Pete didn't wanna stay. He wanted to go back. So it was a bit hard for the first mm. year. We didn't really know what we were doing. Um, but then someone asked me to make some granola for them for their little hummus stall. So I did that and then, you know, then I started making for a few cafes and then kind of a few people asked me to cook for them. And then the business just started there basically. And then I went and did the retreat with 
you, you with Jules, and yeah. that's why I met you, Adam. And that was kind of the beginning of the business, really. Like, as as a little interjection, like all during that period from Barcelona to coming back to Brighton, was that cooking your like main source of income? There was no other job on the side. It was just the food was bringing no, the money. I in. was doing this really like when we came back because we came back to literally nothing. Um, Pete hadn't got a job, so I got this really random weird job where I worked from home and I was booking like promotional stuff for really like random jobs but it was like my friend of a friend's company it was like 10 pounds an hour I could do it whenever I I could do it in the middle of the night if I wanted to so I was doing that whilst for about for about for about a year or something um whilst doing the food and then when the food got busy I decided to give it up and Pete got a job teaching and yeah and then and then it just kind of roller coasted basically I think what happened is I started I started cooking for Zoe Ball who lives in Brighton oh wow and she oh, I love Zoe Ball loads of Instagram stuff like not I know she's so lovely yeah. I mean she, she in fact the other day she she's such a big support like a lovely supportive person and Brighton people really look after each other so yeah. she phoned me someone gave her my number and I started cooking for her and delivering in her house and when she was doing Strictly and we became friends and then she you know used to do loads of stuff on Instagram and then loads of people were like oh can you for me that's when that's when I do my three pack and they sort of got really busy um so I've got Zoe to thank for that actually and then yeah and then it just one thing led to another and um I went on a photography course and my photos got a bit better. It was only a day course, but I just realized that I quite like taking photos of food. So I try, you know, that helps that Instagram got a bit better and then people, you know, it just rolls into another thing. And then I literally had an email one day from Penguin saying, will you come and talk to us about a book? Oh my gosh. And I had like 3000 followers at the time. It wasn't even like I had a lot of followers or anything. What what do you put it down to? Because like on paper, it seems not strange, but that people come to, as you said, like you didn't have loads of followers, but people came to you. Somehow like you're recommended to celebrities, Mm. even though you're like just doing like a little thing in your own kitchen, like you've got celebrity recommendations. What is it? What is it about you, do you think, or about your work ethic, or about how you I I just, approach people? I've been lucky. It's not, I've worked hard. Hopefully people just like what my food tastes like, I think. I, you know, like, I think I just do what I do. Like, I love food. I never try and tell people what to eat either. I, I mean, that. in fact, we, I was having a big discussion today about this, um, about I think people feel especially plant-based food and vegan food i think people can feel quite judged yeah. if they're told what to eat or if you're cooking for them and you're like we oh, you shouldn't eat that you shouldn't eat that or you've got to do it like this and i feel quite strongly about not doing that so mm. i never tell people in fact i'm cooking at the moment i'm personal chefing somebody in brighton every day and even though i'm i'm helping him become more educated about his diet like it's okay if he has a beer and a yeah. tonic it's fine i'm not his i'm not there to tell him what he can't do i'm just there to try and encourage him to do what makes what would be better for him so i've always been quite i've always been quite um i've always felt quite strongly about that i've never tried to tell people what to do on my instagram either and 
I don't know. I just am who I am and I cook what I cook and it isn't fancy and it isn't posh, but I hope it tastes nice. So I think. Do you think some of that is down to your work in kind of the rehab centers, et cetera? Because of course, in those situations, telling people what to do strongly probably wouldn't have helped them, I imagine. So maybe you, you, there were some certain qualities you built there or ways to work with people that are then being transferred to cooking. Yeah, I mean, and I, you know, when I was growing up, like I said, I had eating disorder and then I went on to just be a complete nightmare, raver out all the time, partying, <laughs> not going to school, got expelled, you know, I was a nightmare. Um, and I didn't like being told what to do and everyone always used to try and tell me what to do and no one would ever, you know, so I, I think... Yeah, I just don't like being told what to do. So I don't tell people what to do. I, I even try and be like, I mean, obviously I do tell my kids what to do, but I always try and explain to them, like, why are you should do it? Not just don't do that. You know, it's not, I think it gets people's backs up. Yeah. Uh, um, just probably from my own personal experience. But yeah, of course, working with people who have, issues and addictions and it's all so connected isn't it like for mm. me i mean uh, food then going on and partying eating it's all connected it's all the same thing it's how i you know i know now how to manage my um, emotions and needs and uh and that's all very connected to what i eat and how i eat mm. it's all the same thing so i i think um that's how I try and approach talking to people about food as well, because I think it's food is is normally how you feel about food and how you eat. I think normally is stemmed to your own childhood and maybe how you grew up with food and how your parents sort of, you know, educated you about food. I think it it's quite deep rooted. So yeah, absolutely. You've got to be quite sensitive towards people. What would you say are the biggest stresses in your industry? Oh God. I mean, my industry, it's like, well, uh, doing a million things. I think because I work for myself and I do so many different types of things, um, for me, I've always just got a million things going on and I try and try to manage it all on my own. Mm. Um, But I think in the food industry at the moment, especially in Brighton, people are really struggling actually to... Um, you know, pay rent and yeah. keep their businesses alive. And so many people uh, around me, like, you know, are shutting down and their businesses are folding. It's really sad. Mm. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that's a massive struggle, keeping up with um, the competition around and, you know, just just managing to run your own business. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's a struggle and I... I mean, I'm lucky now because Peter works for the business. So we mm. work together and we run the business and the family as as the same thing because the kids are busy and need to be taken to places mm. and I'm busy with the business and need to go to places. So we I wouldn't be able to do it if, if Peter hadn't have come on board and we don't you know, we do everything together now. So How is that? Pardon? How is that? Doing everything doing everything as a unit, yeah. How is that? It's amazing. And actually, mm. lots of people always say, oh, my God, how do you cope working and living together? But we are oh, we're such a good team. We've been oh. together for, you know, it's next in a 16th wedding anniversary. Oh, 16 years. That's wow. amazing. You know, then 18 together. 
I know, I can't believe it. But I actually, it was a lot more stressful when we weren't working together because Pete would come in and he was doing his job. I was doing my job. We weren't communicating with each other. We always felt like the other one was busier. Yeah. So we just argued all the time. And then it's like, you've got to argue about who's doing what with the kids. So it was a risk giving up his um, wage. But ever since he did it, we've doubled the money that's coming in because we relaxed and I'm able to take on a lot more work. And yeah, it was the best thing that we ever did. And we get on much better when we're working together. Much better. So nice. And do you ever get a moment to pause? And if so, what do you do in your quiet time? Um, I do. I don't get much time to pause. But in fact, today I went to the beach. Oh, nice. And just like literally for half an hour before meeting someone and just sat and nothing. I didn't even have a cup of tea. I just sat and watched the scene. It was oh, so nice. Yeah, oh, and it was lovely. gorgeous. And, and I what... also, I love hot baths mm. and I love hiding in my bedroom like I'm doing now with a candle <laughs> and the tea. Oh, the um, so yeah, just grabbing moments basically little ones and I also get up every day at 5am that's the the biggest uh probably in the best uh change that I made in my life a few years ago so why is that then is that to have time for yourself or because you have to start that early yeah yeah just because it's the only time that no one else is up so I get Mm. up and I have a cup of tea and I just sit there with flash and sometimes I might just sit on the sofa for half an hour Mm. and just yeah just to have a bit of time to regroup before the day starts yeah because i'm much better in the morning than i am in the evening so i just so yeah. i just confirmed that flash is a dog to our listeners <laughs> yeah just in flash, case. I, I that could have been like is it sit there with flash or i just sit there and flash at 5 <laughs> yeah but she doesn't think she's a dog she thinks she's like a human queen who's in charge of everybody is that quite a chihuahua trait because i also have a friend who has a chihuahua and she's exactly oh. the same she thinks she's a princess a hundred percent and she literally when she sees like a massive alsatian she just just goes for them she just oh, does she? She, yeah not in like an attacky way yeah. but just like in a real kind of like dominant you know she's like a dominatrix and we're like flash that, that dog's gonna eat you just, yeah no so yeah that's my moment really 5 a.m and what is it you're like looking for now? Like what is wealth for you going forwards? Like forget about take money out of the equation, but like what do you want from life going forwards in like the long term? I just want you know, like at the moment I feel so content actually, you know, Aww. especially since we've got a little bit back to normal, like seeing the kids like back at school and learning a little bit and you know, having just like even those little moments to myself and just being a family unit, really. I mean, I love, I'm so grateful for my family and just, yeah, watching them grow up. I mean, for me, you know, being a mum and seeing them grow now, that I mean, everything is about the kids as well, you know, and, and kind of trying to give them the best life. And, um, and also, I feel so grateful now to be where I've got so many amazing, exciting projects going on. And I, every day I'm like, wow. I'm so lucky, really, to work for myself. And what what are the, of... what are the kind of projects any you can talk about? Yeah, I'm doing. I'm ghostwriting a really exciting book at the moment. That's be done actually. I'm just doing like a chats about TV stuff actually. This, Ooh, that's been this week, exciting! Exciting! Woo. 
and then I'm doing I'm involved in a really amazing place that's opening in Brighton with the menu and oh my goodness there's just so much stuff going on and I'm doing the retreat with you guys in a few weeks Yay. which I can't wait for but yeah lots of really exciting yeah, stuff let's give a little so shout out to that retreat that, that retreat is with uh reclaim yourself and that yes. is uh, to nhs workers yeah. and it's a free one we've had donations to it so if any of you guys are listening want to donate to that or future ones for nhs workers it's uh, you can via reclaim yourself Gemma, will you yeah. be ma- will you be making your brownies on that retreat fingers crossed i'm gonna bring you a whole box <gasps> yeah i'm so yeah. excited i haven't tried them yet but yeah. they just look so good so oh, in the book and they're so easy to make honestly oh they're just the best brownies of all ever so excited but yeah i can't wait for that and like doing being around nice people like that for me is you know the retreat that we did in um you know the camping yeah one? i mean that was how amazing was that yeah and actually you know like just being around good people that i buzz off yeah i'm doing this thing as well with lovely a who you met oh, yeah. which we're launching in a few weeks we're setting up a kitchen um, which is like a kind of a kitchen share, like a desk share for new and up and coming businesses, plant-based food businesses that are setting up uh, their own food business, but only need a kitchen like one day a week. So mm. we're launching that in Amazing. a few weeks, which is really exciting. We're, making, we're not going to make any money, but it's kind of a community thing. And mm. for me, it's definitely not about make, just, obviously you need to make money, but it's about having really good people around you who just inspire you. Wow. And, you mm, know, I love that. You can have a laugh with, basically. I, I, so, listen, I listened to something yeah. recently about something called, I think, Black Kitchens or Dark Kitchens, where like restaurants... Yeah, I've heard of this. Yeah, and this idea that restaurants like will just have rent out in like on an industrial estate like just like a a kitchen or like a big warehouse and multiple restaurants will just use the same staff to cook their food and send Mm, it out to Deliveroo or uber which just sound it just sounds like there can't be a lot of love in that food (laughs) yeah i've heard of dark kitchens in fact yeah i have but I mean, in a way, it's, I think, you know, what I was saying, there's so many businesses, the folding and, you know, the rent is just extortionate for Mm. people to be able to afford. So I guess that's the way around it. Um, Mm. But yeah, I I have, I, I need to sort of investigate a little bit more, but you know there's also so many empty kitchens sitting around at the moment that just mm, aren't being used yeah. so in fact we're almost thinking that we're going to get another one because so many people were interested in doing it oh, wow. and yeah so it's um i think through you know through lockdown lots of people have thought about changing their life and yeah different they have and i think everything is up for question now isn't it about how we do stuff like everything yeah change. so true you know, as you guys really know, don't you, with yeah. what you've been doing, you know, you've been doing stuff totally differently mm. to what you were before, but that, that's, that's cool. That's how, you know, life. Yeah. You can make is. up, make up your own rules at the moment, can't you? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it sounds like you've got so much exciting stuff going on and coming up. What about, have you ever had any self doubt and sort of questioned whether you're on the right path? Um, I definitely have felt with foods ever since the, you know, it's, I've, I've never felt that I'm on the wrong path for food because mm. I've always been, it's always been such a major thing for me, but I do. And I have had moments of, you know, the odd moment of not for a while, but you know, self doubt as in like, is this, you know, this is the family's business now. And it is kind of, 
it sometimes can feel a bit overwhelming mm. um you know but what I've learned and how I've learned to cope with that is to say no to lots of things if I am feeling overwhelmed just to go you know what like slow down regroup breathe talk to P and just kind of because you know it it's like I said it can it can change so not feeling the pressure you know like all the pressures kind of on me, yeah. but I definitely, I, f- I have a really strong feeling that I'm totally on the right path at the moment. Mm. And it's, yeah, it's really nice. I think that's a really good tip to not say yes to everything, because I think it's so easy to just, uh, yeah, to say yes to everything and not give yourself the yeah. time out to slow down and do a bit less. Regroup, exactly. as you say. When you do a bit less, you do it better. That's what I've learned because I always used to say yes and do everything and rush it and never feel like I did it like that I was doing well. to yeah and so I think less is sometimes more and also putting the family first as well in everything that I think about you know mm. how will it affect them is it the right thing to do for us um you know will I miss the kids bedtime will Pete be doing too much with you know so I think about all that before I say yes yeah. to anything now which is good how do you how do you go about finding balance in your everyday life then because it sounds like you've got you've obviously got so much going on but you've got a family at the same time and and spinning loads of different plates how do you manage to yeah establish balance so on a like practical basis like at the moment because I'm getting up early and then going to cook for this guy every morning so I I make sure I'm always there for the pickup uh, the school pickup yeah um so Pete does a drop off because I else I feel like I really miss out on that you know mm. like it's really funny actually because Pete hates the school run you know, oh like really all the with that. he's like <laughs> doesn't want to get involved he's there with his shades looking cool kind of taking the kids and I get into the you know love a chat with the mums yeah. and finding out all the gossip and stuff um so yeah I always try and make sure I'm doing that at the moment so I don't feel like I'm missing out on the kids stuff mm. um and yeah just I I try not to work the whole day. So, um, I mean, today I've worked the whole day, actually, although I did go and get Hendrix after school. And I just, you know, weekends now I try and keep clear. I, I say a lo- I say no a lot to um, social things, actually, a lot than I used to because, mm. again, that, that makes me tired and it's too easy to get carried away and, you know, I can't cope with hangovers now and all that sort of <laughs> stuff. So I'm saying a lot, like, a lot more no's, but that's really good for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just, just being kind to myself with the balance thing and making sure I remember all the stuff that I've spoken about in the book, because, you know, one final question for your, on your, on your, I say little journey, big journey. Like, is there any advice you would give to your younger self? Like when you were in Barcelona raving or you, maybe you stopped raving at that point, but with any (laughs) advice you'd give to yourself, like looking back. God, oh uh, yeah, just um, oh, just say no, God, to everything. God, oh, I should have just said no to all. No, not <laughs> just say no. I mean, I think just be kind to yourself, you know, and mm. th- also think about what you want, you know. Mm. And actually, what I've realised is thinking about what you want isn't selfish. And I've only mm. just worked that out. You know, I'm mm. 42 next month. Like, it doesn't mean that you're selfish if you say no to a party. It doesn't mean that you're selfish if you cancel on your friend's birthday because you've got an appointment the next day. Mm. Or, you know, and my problem was that I always used to say yes to everybody. And even if that meant that 
you know, especially when I was younger, like a, like in my twenties and wild, even if it, if that meant I, you know, went to a party and stayed up all night and rolled into work the next day without, you know, getting any proper rest, you know, because I was, you know, I just wasn't thinking about mm. what was good for me. Yeah. So, um, yeah. It's think so- about... yeah think about yourself basically and that being selfish that and that self-care isn't selfish it isn't and that's a really important lesson that it's taken me a very long time to learn so funny when you get to the point in your your life where you realize you don't actually have to go everywhere (laughs) you realize you've got the you actually got the power to say no and stay in (laughs) i I never went I never, got, I, I never got invited. <laughs> oh, oh, Adam. We've been having our own Adam, lockdown you'll party. Be like, you'll, be, you'll, you'll be like raving in a few years. You know, you know, don't say that, Gemma. I've no, been he so won't. desperate to say yes to something. <laughs> Let's start raving at the weekend. Oh, no, stop. No, joking. I am quite excited, though, like when the kids get older and I'm like, you know, it's going to be so good when they're going to Ibiza and I'm going to be like, can I come? And they're going to be like, no, mum, you're so embarrassed. Oh my God, do you think you're going to, like given your history of raving and everything, do you think that you're going to be worried about your kids or will you be like, go and have fun? (laughs) Oh, well, I don't think so because Pete was worse than me. Oh, really? I don't think, I reckon that we won't miss a trick. I don't know. (laughs) You know, I hope not. I mean, I'm, I don't know. It's really difficult because they're they're not teenagers yet. They're so good and lovely. Yeah. um, They are gorgeous as well. Oh, they're so cute. Yeah. They're so cute. But Hendrix is a little DJ kind of producer. So he's like loves the house tunes. Oh so my he's... god, I was I was watching their little Instagram rap. They're so talented. Oh, they, they, they wrote they're a... so cute, aren't they? They, do, so, they yeah. do like spoken words and Hendrix like, you know, makes makes tunes on garage bands. That's it, yeah. Super talented. But I don't know, it's all I really hope that they feel like they can come and talk to us about yeah. anything. You know, nothing would shock us. But um, I guess you've just got to keep that conversation open. Yeah, and, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and do your best as a parent. And I'm sure I'm going to come across loads of challenges. But yeah, they just think I'm completely mental anyway. They're like, mum, you're so weird. <laughs> yeah. Love that. Don't change. <laughs> yeah. Right, so. let's, we're going to shift the gear and do like one or two little quick fires now. Oh, God, okay. All right. <laughs> Don't panic. So first one <laughs> is questions. my favorite one. Any little purchase you've made that's really made a difference to like quality of life or quality of business? Any purchase I've made. Oh my God. Quality of business. Well, I'd probably have to say like my really good blender because it was really expensive and it's amazing. I mean, that's really boring, but um, you know, it's one of those things where you splash out on something and you don't think. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it was a thousand pounds or something. Mm. But yeah, that, I mean, that's a bit boring one practically i'm just sitting here looking at my really expensive candle that's burning that's pretty good <gasps> what brand what brand is it um it's uh joe malone yeah it's just oh, really nice it lovely relax in my bed yeah and treat you know it's like treat myself sort of thing right i'm gonna so, i'm gonna ask you Gemma, if you could have one meal every day for the rest of your life what would it be <laughs> pasta yes oh, that's where he gets it from then uh, well who Hendrik. Oh get, yes, get. he loves his pasta. Oh, pasta. Yeah, I love pasta. But if I did eat pasta every day, it wouldn't be good for me. But I just love pasta. Any love like pasta. any variety of pasta, any sauce that you'd whack on top, like, or just like stuffed, like stuffed big pasta shells, or oh, that's, that's Adam's that's favorite kind thing. of pasta, isn't it? Like tortellini. I mean, that, 
would be my dream if I didn't, you know, but it, it, yeah. Yeah, oh, but, but I love it. I just pa- love it. Big pasta like Tortellini would be, if I could eat one food forever, tortellini. I think it would be tortellini. Oh. Variations of tortellini. Oh. I worked out how to yeah. do that at uni. Like, I think it was the first food I ever cooked. And you I think I spent a year cooking tortellini, <laughs> tortellini. every day. <laughs> well, I could just eat like pasta, you know, with just like olive oil and salt and pepper. Mm. I just love, I love it. So, so tasty, filling. So tasty, isn't it? Yeah, but food is just the best yeah. topic to talk about. Any little book that's had any kind of influence on you? Um, oh god, any little book that's had any sort. It could be big. I don't know why I say little in yeah, front of things. Using the word little prefix at the little. Any, any book. How's your little self doing? <laughs> yeah, how's your little book doing? Um, <laughs> oh god, I can't think. Um, uh, the Tower of Pooh. Have you read that? That's quite a good little book. The Tower of Pooh. I've heard about it. Yeah, that's a really good little book. Oh. Um, what's your What's your takeaway from that? And also, you know what, the Charlie McKay book. Have you read that? No. The, the lovely. Oh my goodness, that is the most beautiful book. That actually, um, I got. For, in fact, my daughter got given it. And Charlie McKay. Oh, hang on. Uh, oh, is that the draw? Charlie McKessy, Yeah. So. It's gorgeous. It's um, it's just what's it called? Is it the just, fox and horse one? Just... Oh no! Yeah, the fox and the horse. <gasps> oh yeah, my I mean, God. it's just beautiful. Oh, it's stunning. We read that in one sitting. Oh, oh yeah, I love it yeah. so much, and it's it's just really great for the kids as well, and really great for all of us. And I think, especially at the moment, like with, oh, you know, it, just being kind. Yeah, and, it just sums up what life yeah. should be. We'll put a little link to that in the show notes. Yeah, it's stunning. Whatever. Yeah, then... it's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And yeah, it's just kind. Yes. Oh, I often stop. read the little things to my kids because, you know, it's all those things that just like nothing else is important is it it's just like yeah. being kind and being with the people that you love and you know making life simple so that definitely that one that's i think that's it. a lovely way to end it i was it. just about to say that i think that's perfect now, Thank where, you. where would you like people or us to direct people to to find out more about you mm, instagram website etc I'm not very good at anything else. I did try Twitter. I've got about two followers. It's just too much. <laughs> <laughs> too much yeah. Instagram. Instagram. Honestly, unbalanced.